you cannot out earn a lack of discipline. You cannot. You cannot make enough money to be able to go through and survive this force of taking your money away. You can't. You have to change your behavior. You have to develop discipline if you want to build wealth. All right, welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful, both personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad-spectrum sales prescriptions, and all you have to do is fill them. Stoked about today's podcast, Me Rusty. Too. Fired up about it. That's going to be a good one. We're going to talk about what most salespeople find most exciting about their jobs which is money. Money. Yes. <laughs> We're going to get into money. Now, most people that are listening to this that have ever worked in any of Rusty Jensen's organizations, including myself, found something very interesting about Rusty. He's a little bit different when it comes to leadership revolving around money. I feel like a lot of sales leaders out there, they're like, hey, uh, you should go buy that Porsche. You should go uh, yeah. go get yourself a Maserati. Get you know, debt. They want you to get in a situation where you have to hit your numbers to succeed. And so when people work for Rusty, they're like blown away that he has this different philosophy around financial leadership. So Rusty, walk me through, what are you doing differently? You can let people in that don't know already and why. You know, you know, it's interesting. You, you talk about the fact that there are sales leaders that go to their sales reps and say, go get that car, go get in debt, go get maxed out. Let's make you some money and let's, let's use that money to kind of show off who you are and what you are. And the portrayal that they give is that I want you to look and feel successful. But in reality, what's happening is they're putting people in situations where they're financially really tight and it's really hard and they're forcing a motivation to come out of somebody. And I found that to be a, a negative reinforcing motivation. You're forcing someone into a difficult financial spot where they have to act out of almost out of fear to kind of protect themselves. And when I work with people, I just care about them, Ron. I get invested in the people. I just get very personally interested in them and their success and, and what they achieve. And I can't in good conscience tell people to do things that are not good for them. Because as a salesperson, you can earn this incredible income and this incredible money that can help change your future. It can change your family tree if you do it right. And you can really, really, really shore up your future and create a wonderful lifestyle if you do it right. And I don't love when people are put into a situation where there's that negative pressure. Now, I'll tell you, from a leadership perspective, it's a lot harder to get people motivated that way because you have to help them, teach them, show them, and, and help them see the vision of who they can be and the kind of wealth that they can build with this fabulous income. And it's harder, but it's so good for them. And I can say it's one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done is to see people have those kinds of successes, including you. Yeah, I mean, fear is a great source of motivation. Yeah. But I don't like living in fear. No. It's not a comfortable place. It's not a place of happiness. It's not a place that you want to find yourself on a regular basis. So a lot of leaders are wanting their reps to live in this state of fear of, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my car. If I don't hit my number, I'm going to. And that is a really stressful, anxiety-full 
situation. And I love that Rusty doesn't like his people to experience those emotions. You know, there's too many people who live in that situation anyway, Ron, where people can't make the choices they want to make. They can't do the things they want to do because they feel trapped doing a job they don't like. They kind of live in this quiet desperation where they have to perform. They have to have this job. They have to do this thing and they can't do what they really want to do. They can't let their passion come out because they're trapped and we can get more into that. Yeah. So a lot of people may ask like, how do you know about this? It's it's interesting because we talk about this all the time. Like we go to high school, we learn about calculus and trigonometry and world history and, and all these things, but no one ever teaches personal finance, how to pay your bills, how to save money, how to, you know, and and if that's a thing now, it's definitely new because it wasn't a thing for me. So how do you know this information? And and even in college, when you go get a finance degree, they're not focusing on those principles. A lot of financial conversation, a lot of financial education comes from interacting with each other, especially when you get in the, the business world. People start making money. They start discussing, hey, this is what you do with your money. This is how you do it. Here's why. And here's what's going on. And there's a lot of like social engagement around it. And unfortunately, the 1% are 1% for a reason. So people who have top 1% income and top 1% wealth, they are the 1%, which means that they're rare. There's one in a hundred. And 76% of people in the United States around, it might be different. It's it's an old figure I've used, but 76% of people live paycheck to paycheck. And by the way, regardless of income, Some people make very high income and do it. Some people make very low or medium income. Yet 76 out of 100 people are going to talk about finance and money and they're going to tell you things that aren't right, which is what happened to me. I met a lot of people who had no idea about how actual money works. They would tell me things like, hey, you got to invest. You got to get your big old credit score. We got to do all these things to get you to, to borrow money and you leverage money and use that money to other people's money to make money and all this stuff. You know, this leverage concept, this getting into this investment or borrowing money. And what I didn't realize at the time is the people who were telling me to do that were broke, just broke, have no idea about money, yet I bought into it. So what I did is I actually went and built a credit score and I borrowed from anybody who'd lend to me, buying cars, buying whatever furniture. I actually remember your first ever line of credit. This is how long I've known Rusty, guys. (laughs) Rusty's like, I need to build some credit, Ron. We were young. We we're probably like 18 years old or something. He's like, I got to build some credit. We went to RC Willie's and I think you got an iPod, one of those old iPods. Yeah, big ones, the you, ones that are like a half inch thick. Yeah, you, you like couldn't afford it, but it was like a couple hundred bucks. And you're like, I'm just going to get it on credit. And then I have an iPod, but I'm building my credit at the same time. Right. Yeah. So, cause I want to get this credit score and I did. So I went and got the credit score. I kind of bought all this crazy stuff and bought a car and was watching my credit score really carefully. And, and then once I had enough credit score, I was like, Hey, now I can get some student loans. And my wife, actually, this is not her fault, but my wife was talking to a finance professor and the finance professor said, Hey, if you guys get student loans, you can get them at such a low rate. You can take that money and you can invest it and it can make more money as a percentage than what you pay as a percentage. You could use that. You know, by the time you get out of college, you get as big a student loan as you can, and then you'll have some, some extra money. So of course, knowing me, I took it to the extreme. I'm like, yeah. Let's take this, borrow this money, and I'm not just going to invest in a bond or a CD. I'm going to go and invest in not the stock market. I'm going to invest in Crazy Eddie's real estate scheme <laughs> down the street. And I did that. I also tried to invest in my own business to build business. 
And what ended up happening is, you know, in 2008, we had all these things going on. I actually lost all of it. I was 22 years old. I lost $100,000. Not a great situation to be in. No, I just got married. We were six months into marriage. I have $115,000 in unsecured debt at 22. And it was a beautiful lesson. It was a beautiful lesson. Because then I realized that I didn't know anything about money. And the people who I was talking to were broke. And they didn't know anything about money. So it put me on a path to try to figure it out, to find it. So I started listening to Dave Ramsey. And I started seeking out people who were actually wealthy. So my neighbor... Perry Gigi, who's a phenomenal mentor. In fact, people ask, why is there a bottle of M&Ms on your table? What, what is this? What is this M&M and Skittles? Like, what is this thing? This was made by Perry Gigi, my mentor, and he helped me. And I've had other mentors like Bill Robinson and other people down the line. And we're going to talk about him and what he's done as a contribution to my life. But Perry helped me see what money really worked, how it worked, because he was a multimillionaire who was conservative and would save everything. And he was always meticulous about, about conserving his resources. He taught me things like never pay anybody to do something you could do yourself. Like all these things where, you know, th this guy behaved very differently than other people. He's not telling me to go borrow money and, and throw in places. He's telling me to save, be conservative. He doesn't say go build a business. He says, build it on the side, get it built up first before you, you know, all these great, great things. But he helped me see what money was all about. And so my wife and I in three years, we started listening to Dave Ramsey doing these things. We paid off all of our debt. Three years to the day, $115,000. I sold my car. She'd drive me to work. We cut our internet. I was, you know, squeezing up to the wall, you know, and borrowing my neighbor's Wi-Fi, actually Perry's Wi-Fi. <laughs> so he let me borrow it. Don't tell the trade commission or whatever, but we did everything. We, we didn't go to movie theaters. We didn't go to restaurants. We went to the library and got free DVDs, you know, back when that was a thing. We didn't spend any money, didn't do anything for years and paid that debt off. You know, what's interesting about that is people hear that story and they think like, oh man, that would suck. Like that would suck to live that lifestyle. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's great, but what's interesting is I look back on my times of living very frugally with fondness. Mm. Like those were times when I really built great relationships with my wife. I built great relationships with my kids. We were broke. We were paycheck to paycheck because we didn't make any money. I've made my fair share of, I think Dave Ramsey calls it stupid tax, by the way. <laughs> stupid tax. A lot that was me. stupid tax. You've paid a lot more stupid tax than me. I've paid some though. I've paid, I've paid my fair share of stupid tax in the world. But I think that like we assume if we're not spending, we're not happy. And that's one of the lies. It is. It's one of the major lies that exists. So one thing that Rusty talked to me about was a lot of this is very commonsensical. If you think about it, you know, like save money, it seems like common sense. Okay. Don't spend everything you make. Wow. Wow. This is a pay off debt, pay off debt. Wow. Right? And one of the things that, you know, Rusty was kind of influential for me in my financial journey is convincing me to pay off my home. And I remember when I paid it off and even to this day, I have people tell me every single day, dude, you're an idiot, man. <laughs> you know, pay off your home. You could, you know, you're only paying 4%. You can get 12% of the stock market, yada, yada, yada. The math doesn't make sense, right? Like they have a point. The math mm -hmm. does not make sense no. when you compare the stock market to what you're paying on your mortgage. That's right. But if that were the case, there's a couple things that I consider about this, right? 
why is the bank giving you the loan then if they could make more money elsewhere, use that money elsewhere, but also there's something more than just the math. And that's what Rusty gets into. What is it beyond the math that is the reason you encourage this paying off of debt? All right. So everybody put your seatbelts on because this is, uh, this this guy gets a little bit of depth, but this is a very powerful principle. We are not spreadsheets. You and me, we are not robots. We are not cold calculations. So when you sit in front of a spreadsheet and you say, if I put $300,000 into my house and I put $300,000 into the stock market, what is a different outcome going to be? It's going to show you that you should invest in the stock market, not in the house that you own. And that's a difficult thing to get past until you start thinking broader and you start looking at what is reality really like? What are humans like? How do humans behave? How do we operate? Just like anything else, if you want to build a great career, it takes time and investment and work and education and discipline and things that you learn that actually lead to that outcome. It doesn't just happen. It's not just add water. Finances are the same way. So think of it this way. If it were easy, just put this money here versus there, you'll be more successful. People would be in spades, but they're not. People that are wealthy don't ascribe to this in general. So there was a study done by the Ramsey Group where they did over 10,000 millionaires. They went and actually interviewed over 10,000 millionaires. And the result of that was that these people paid off debt and saved money. They didn't do all these other wild moves. Why? Well, let's talk about why. Think of it this way. When you wake up every day, what do you do? You go to work, you build products, you sell products, you do marketing. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get money out of people, but you're not alone. There's 110 million people in this economy who are trying to figure out how to get money from you. That's all they do all day, every day in some way, shape, or form. I mean, that's what we do when we work all day, every day. And they're good at it, really good at it. The marketing, the engagement, the selling, the convincing, the targeting of who you are, whatever your income level is, somebody is trying to get money from you. And they've been doing it for hundreds of years, trying to figure out how to get that money away from you so that they can have it. And it's a powerful influence. They have an incredible ability to convince people to give their money away. It's an incredible force. In fact, it is so strong, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. When the economy is coming from you, unless you do something dramatic in differentiating yourself and becoming different and behaving differently than everybody else does, there's no way you can break out of that. It's an incredible force. We think of it this way. I mean, It's amazing what you think you need, the term need. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What do you need, right? We need shelter. We need food, water. Our needs are very basic. And having lived in Africa, I can tell you that the human needs are very basic, right? What you actually need. But think about when you, when you bought this house, Ron, we had this conversation. It It was fascinating. So we had this conversation where you bought this very nice home, right? Where we have our, our podcast studio and you were buying new carpet for the home. Yep. And I remember you came to me and you're like, hey, yeah, I got all this carpet. It's going to cost me like $6,000. And like, I need to get new carpet. It's going to be like six grand. I'm like, oh, well, hey, yeah, I mean, I've gotten carpet for way cheaper. I've got, I can help you out. I mean, I know how to get it for about 2,200 bucks for your whole house. And <laughs> what'd you say to me? I'm like, man, I can't, I mean, I can't buy the cheap carpet for my nice house. Not for this house. I need, right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. 
So at whatever level, like you know, you have this need to be able to spend. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do you break that? You cannot underestimate that force. How do you break that? Well, you have to go through a process and a disciplined process of controlling your money and changing your behavior and cultivating your psychology to actually be able to influence true control over your money. You have to have accomplishments to build up that strength. So if you want to be like a division one athlete, you can't just jump into it. You have to build up to it. Little wins, little successes. You have to develop that skill on what to do with money in order to become great with it. Cause you're a human. You're not a spreadsheet. So if you think you can break out of that energy of the economy, a hundred million people coming at you to take your money, you're wrong. Unless you cultivate a specific set of skills to be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, I read a study recently that talked about how businesses, and I won't name names of any specific businesses. I don't want to get sued or anything, but that are hiring addiction specialists to figure out how to get you addicted to buying their products. Right. How can we create addiction in people? And they are bringing in people that understand the human mind. They understand psychology at a level that I haven't dreamt of. Right. And they're using our minds, our brains, the way we think against us to take our money from us. Like that is the goal. Yep. And and they may be providing some, some level of service or some, some level of goods. Right. But for all of human history, you know, and we're talking, this is a sales podcast here, right? We're talking about people that are good at selling people that are good at finding ways to get your money, right? They understand the psychology as well. Salespeople. That's one reason why we have a bad rap as salespeople, right? Is because uh, people assume that we're trying to just steal their money right <laughs> away from them, but that's not the reality. Our services that we can provide can be better than yeah, the money, than the green pieces of paper. Yeah, and, and nothing being offered out there. I mean, there's so many things out there so good. They're so great. There's nothing wrong with having them. But we want you to be successful. We want you to be wealthy. We want you to have flexibility. We want you to use that fabulous in income to really help you in your life. Right. And we talk about this because if you're in sales, if you're selling software, if you're selling pharmaceuticals, if you're selling something, chances are you are, if you're good at it, you're probably a strong earner. And if you're not yet, you will be, you'll have the opportunity to make a lot of money a lot. and the more money you make, the more these addiction specialists and people that, you know, sell psychology, people are going to try and take that money from you. They're going to find ways to make you feel like you need the $6,000 carpet, right? That's, that's just how it is. So Rusty, walk me through what advice are you giving to people? Like what is the advice that might be different than what they're getting from their peers and honestly, the broke people of yeah, the world people. and how is yours different? You know, having led hundreds of salespeople, I've seen people who make $60,000 a year starting as sales developers, all the way up to people that are making $350,000 a year, $400,000 a year. I've seen people making up to a million dollars a year. And it's fascinating to see that those people still live paycheck to paycheck. Not that everybody. yacht payment is, isn't it's cheap. very expensive yacht payment. It's not cheap. You know, that private plane I need yep. to get, you know, it's literally that way. And it's, it's fascinating to talk to them because like you make, I mean, as a sales developer, I looked at it and said, oh, I can't believe you make $200,000 a year. What would I do with all that money? Well, the rest of everybody else in the economy will figure out what you can do. With it and they'll take it. <laughs> it's amazing. And these people live paycheck to paycheck. And I'm, I'm sure somebody's listening to this right now. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, but here's advice. Number one, you cannot out 
earn a lack of discipline. You cannot. You cannot make enough money to be able to go through and survive like this force of taking your money away. You can't. You have to change your behavior. You have to develop discipline in order for you to be successful. If you want to build wealth, if you want to build wealth. So one of the things I tell people is from a sales perspective, just understand that and accept it. Number one, number two, now let's start using your fabulous income to help create freedom for you. So salespeople have a base salary and they have commissions often, especially in software. And the first thing advice I say is let's get you to live on that base salary. Your base salary, it pays your bills. It covers what you need. You should be able to live on your base salary and function. And here's the motivator. Your commissions, we're going to use that to help you build wealth. So when you make big commission checks, don't take those commission checks and spend them and buy crazy stuff. Use it to make big payments on debt. Use it to make big investments for yourself. So to build this discipline we're talking about to generate wealth and to get motivated, the first thing I recommend is paying off debt. And the way you do it is not the finance spreadsheet way because it doesn't work as well in application. Because remember, human behavior and human psychology is very complex. It's not about the spreadsheet. Take your debts, list some smallest to largest, and get them paid off. Okay? The way you do that, you take the small one, you make a commission check, you took it out. Now your income's freed up a little bit. You take the rest of that money, you make another big commission check, you pay that one off, then another one, and you're starting to make progress. You're incrementally building on success. Success builds on success, which affects your psychology. And then you start winning and you're like, man, I want to do this again. So what do you want next? A bigger paycheck. Go get that thing, right? Go get it. You want a bigger paycheck. So you go work harder as a salesperson and you sell more. And then it comes back to you get another big paycheck and you can pay off some more. Get focused on that as a goal. Don't focus on buying a Tesla. I don't know how many years I've had people who drive way nicer cars than me that work for me. It's still that way. It's still that way. You know, dude, can I tell the Corolla story? <laughs> yeah, go I got to tell the story, dude. This is hilarious. So Rusty is making a lot of money at this point in time. He's running the commercial business for nice as well as sales development. He's got hundred plus employees working for him <laughs> and, and he is driving around this beat down Corolla. So our EVP of sales is talking to a bunch of board members, this, the other executives, and he's telling all these executives about this, this hot new sales leader that he has, Rusty Jensen, that's, that's changing the game and making the company a bunch of money. And he's, you know, how awesome he is. He's talking him up, right? He's standing out in front of the building and all of a sudden Rusty pulls out of the parking garage in like this old beat up Toyota Corolla. <laughs> And he's waving out the window at Bill. And the plastic is dragging on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> he's waving out the window at our, at our EVP of sales. And the other executives are like, is that the guy you're talking about? That, that's the Rusty Jensen you're talking about? He's like, yeah, that's the Rusty. So the next day, embarrassed. he's embarrassed. He's like, oh my gosh, I pay this guy you know, a lot of money. And, and he's driving around that. So the next day he comes to Rusty, he says, Rusty, I pay you enough money. It is an order. You would need to go buy a different car. You know, and, and I will agree with Bill on this, or he was our EVP of sales. You know, when you are a leader, you probably should look like you make decent money if you're trying to recruit and stuff like that and get people to work for you. 
driving around an 03 Corolla in 2018 is probably not the best move. But what does Rusty do? He goes to the local. Well, first, I didn't know if he was really, really serious, but he seemed very serious. <laughs> serious. His admin came to me three times. Heather Simpson. She's like, Rusty, he's coming in a week. Go buy that car. Yep. I'm like, what are you, you, you serious? And she comes the day before. Go buy that car. You have to go buy a car the day before he gets into town. So I had to, I had to call the, um, the dealership and say, just stay open for me. I'm going to come down and buy the car. Yep. So he goes to the local, what is it called? Branded title dealership. Yes. Yeah, salvage title. Salvage Sorry. title. So this dealership, <laughs> they only sell salvage title vehicles, you know, which means like it's been in an accident and they repaired it or whatever else. But you have this guy walking in there. That's probably, you know, one of the wealthiest persons that ever walked into the store. It's from an earnings perspective. And he gets himself a salvage title Cadillac. Yeah, Cadillac. The Cadillac. So made our EVP of sales a little happier that, Hey, at least he's driving around something that looks took him seriously. Paid, paid <laughs> cash though. You did pay cash for that. Uh, I remember that. I remember you being mad. You're like, I can't believe I'm dropping this much money on a, on a car. No, Bill, I wasn't mad. I was happy. Yeah. If you're listening, <laughs> my Corolla drives just fine. <laughs> Who cares if there's plastic dragon on the ground? It drives just fine. Right. But you know, um, but, but the point of that is, is you live differently than other people do in order to be able to shore up your future and generate wealth. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when people have bigger houses, nice cars early on. But if you can get focused on the goal and pay off the debt, it will change your life. It is worth it. Yeah. So when you get that paid off, that gives you that motivation. hundred percent. So let's go a little bit deeper as we kind of finish up this episode into how to build wealth. And then specifically, I'd love to hear one thing that always blows people away is Rusty does this session with his employees around benefits and every company does like a benefits training. Like here are the options for your medical benefits and so forth, 401k, whatever else, but they're not really giving you advice. It's more like here are the options. And when you run sales development organizations, a lot of times it's people's first career ever. Like the first time they've had a job where they're like, have this available and they don't know what to do. They're like, I, I mean, what should I do? They're looking for direction and everyone's very much afraid of giving that counsel because they don't want to be held accountable. If something it's regulated. Yeah. It's regulated, whatever else. Right. So, but what I love about Rusty is he's like, Hey, listen, like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just going to show you what I do and why I do it. And he has an actual training or a class that he does for the entire organization, his organization, I should say around what he recommends. And it always goes over at least an hour. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the most looked forward to trainings every year, every year, people, new year comes around, new benefits come out. Rusty's out there reading the fine print of the benefits and everyone's excited to get into a room with Rusty and hear, Hey, what, what, what did you read? What, what does this stuff actually mean on these benefits? So, so walk us through both, you know, the wealth building as well as the benefits itself. You bet. So when it comes to building wealth, it really is about being able to free up your income pay off debt and save and companies and their benefits provide great options for this. Your 401k is a very powerful tool because it allows you to contribute into an investment account and it allows your company to contribute into an investment account in a tax advantaged way. And I always recommend that if you're going to do a 401k, you do a Roth 401k, which means this is a tax structure. So when you hear this term 401k, 
it's section 401k in the tax code. And it's a tax structure that allows you and your company to invest money and be able to have a tax benefit. And a Roth 401k is very powerful because you put your money in after you've paid taxes on it. So after the withholdings, you put your money in, but then it grows tax-free. So when you take it out, when you retire, you don't have to pay taxes on your contributed portion. Now you will on the portion that the company puts in, but you don't on your contributed portion. And it's fantastic because when you're older, you don't want to have big tax burdens. You want as much money as you can so you can retire and, and you can do that. So that's what it allows you to do. Now, most benefits providers and people, when they're giving you benefits, a lot of them are not financial advisors, don't understand the money. But even if they are, sometimes what they're trying to represent is they're trying to represent the company's liability interests and not necessarily your best interests from an investment perspective. So what I would always recommend is good growth stock mutual funds or index funds inside of 401ks. Now, I like like an S&P 500 index fund for an investment, and I like a total market index fund that's really low cost. I like those in 401ks because of this reason, because 401k providers change all the time. Like you pick these really good funds, and then six months later, oh, we changed our benefits provider, and all of a sudden your money's moved somewhere else. It's all over the place. So a lot of times in the 401k, I would even say, if there's good options, work with your financial advisor, have them help you pick it, but it's a financial advisor you really trust. So it's a financial advisor that's really good. Because you got to remember something about financial advisors, Ron. They're just us, okay? Four months, people. Yeah, four months ago, they were selling cell phones, and now they're financial experts, right? Not all, but some. So you have to find somebody who really knows what they're doing, that understands it this really well. I recommend just go to Dave Ramsey's website, and they have their endorsed local providers or their ELPs. They're fantastic. That's what I would say for you. But they can help you pick these investments, but you need somebody that can help kind of guide. Mm -hmm. and help you. But if not, index funds that are stock-based are good for those that are young. And again, it's different for everybody's situations. You have to talk to your advisor because I'm not, but typically that's what I would definitely want you to do because then it allows you to invest and build wealth in that way. Now you also want to set up IRAs like a Roth IRA on the side or a traditional IRA if you make too much money, which you will if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. And again, you're investing in similar things. But the reason why a Roth IRA or an IRA that you set up on the side where you can contribute your own money just outside of your company is so valuable is because then you have thousands of options, you know, eight to 10,000 options to invest in. In a 401k, you'll have 25, maybe. So that's why when you look at those investments, actually you can, you can get a little better return over time in an IRA than you can in a 401k. But the 401k often has the, the company match. So at least invest up to the match and you can contribute some in your IRA on the side. Now, when you invest in the stock market, it helps build wealth. And I can tell you, you got to do this. You've got to do this. You know, you can't, in most cases, you can't save enough money just putting in the bank account with inflation and everything else. You can't save enough money to actually retire, Ron. Like lifetime, you might be able to save 700,000 bucks, 500,000 bucks, 700,000 bucks. But when you put it, you know, $1,000 a month into good growth stock mutual funds, index funds, when you put $1,000 a month in over a long period of time, like 20, 30 years, that becomes $5 million. Not That's huge. It's, it's, it, and the vast majority of that is growth from stock market. Right. 
Now, another thing I want to say is when you think of risk, so when something is risky, oh, that's more risky. What's your risk profile? Look, the stock market has averaged in, in the S&P 500 over the last 80, 90 years over 10%. Okay, just over like 10.4%, okay? Now it will go up and it will go down. You will gain, you will lose. But you have to stay in it and just invest, set it, forget it, and put that money in, mm-hmm. okay? And if you do that, on average, you're going to be fine, okay? You're, you're going to be able to retire. If you put it in anything else, okay, a bond that gives you 1% or you, you put it in some kind of thing, it gives you 1% and inflation's three, you're going to starve to death, okay? So what's riskier? Guaranteeing that you're going to starve to death? When you retire or investing in something that has a proven track record over eight years. Yep. And I, and, and I just want to say like, you're going to run into people that have gotten lucky. Yes. Like you're going to run into people that have, Hey, I invested in crypto and made a million bucks. I invested in, right. you know, this and made, made money. Right. But those are the lucky ones, you know, and if you have some additional money and you want to play with on the side, okay. Like, but don't make that your retirement plan. Don't make luck an element of your retirement. No, you can't use luck as, as a strategy. You know, what's funny is everybody I've talked to is invested in crypto. I've never heard somebody tell me they've lost a bunch of money. Have you? Nope. Same thing with like credit cards, points, right? Everybody invests in these credit card points and they, they build up all this debt and the credit cards are like, oh man, I get all these points, all these benefits. You ever heard somebody tell, tell you, oh yeah, I, I, man, I tried to pay it off, but I couldn't. I got the 16% fee. I got to pay all this interest. Do you ever hear anybody tell you that? No, everybody says I paid it off every month. Yeah. So why are the credit cards still doing it? Why are the credit card companies still doing it? If everybody's winning. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. It is not what's happening. Now you can play with things and have fun, do some investing in crypto or something else, whatever, but it's got to be less than 20% of the money that you have for savings for the future. And it's got to be stuff you can lose because you probably will. Day trading, all that, you're not going to succeed. Over 70 plus percent, you're on, on average over time, you're going to lose. You might win here and there, but you've got to invest with intention in funds that make sense over time. Yeah. And when you hear the lucky ones telling you, <laughs> hey, I made $47 billion in crypto, right? The lucky ones that made a lot of money doing those things, that doesn't mean you should change everything you're doing from something that is proven over a long track record of time to hope that you'll get lucky. That's right. Like consistent investment over time is what will build wealth. And by the way, that's kind of the last point I want to make. And maybe we'll talk about something else, but one of the last points I want to make is why do you need to pay off debt? Why do you need to make sure your income is free to be able to build wealth? And I'll tell you the reason why is for you to be able to build wealth, consistent investment over time, 401ks, IRAs, and HSAs, which maybe someday, someday we'll talk about that, how you can have free healthcare for life using an HSA. But that income has to be available to be used for investment. Right. And if you tie it up with debt where you're paying somebody else interest versus earning it, you will have a very hard time being consistent in investing, particularly when you change your job. Because nobody talks about when you change your job. People change their job five to seven times in their career, at least. And what happens? There's risk. There's all kinds of things going on. You might get fired. You might lose a job. What do you do? You take your money out of your investments. You you do everything you can to pay your payments because your payments are completely occupying your income. So you're no longer consistently investing in anything. It knocks you out for two or three years. Mm -hmm. But see, nobody talks about what happens to people in life 
but life happens, right? We're humans. We live in this dynamic environment. Life happens. We do different things. You've got to free up your income in order to be able to invest consistently to build wealth. You have to. And here's the other thing. For your own good, from a career perspective, for your own good, make sure that you're not trapped. Make sure that when an opportunity comes up that's really good, you can take it. Like, for example, conga. Going from nice to conga, my income dropped by 30%. A lot of people can't do that. You can't take a 30% drop. But when I saw that company, those people, how amazing they are, and being able to be able to work with them and then put some faith in a potential opportunity that could pay out big later, I'm able to make that choice to do something that I love. I can make that choice because I don't have any payments. Because I could work at Burger King and I could pay all my payments. Imagine that. You all can do the same. If this stuff seems outlandish, it's not. I have watched person after person after person get to a point of not just paying off debt, but paying off their house. I mean, and that's like, ah, bah, bah. You can't do that. That's, that's, that's blasphemy. <laughs> How dare? No, it happens, Ron. Yep. You agree? Huh. Happened to me. Happened to me? Happens, right? 29 years old. First time. It's amazing, right? So what I would say is, we want to help you to be successful. Use your income as a salesperson to build your wealth. Use it to become great. Use it to, in the future, be able to do what you really want to do for your family. That's the big message here. Awesome. Well, thanks, Rusty. I love your insight here. And the reason we do this episode is specifically for those salespeople that are out there trying to live paycheck to paycheck. Like, there's a better way. There's a better way to operate it's much less stress. It's a happier life. It's, it's just the psychology of it. It's just better. Yeah. And if you want to work with people who, who care about you and take care of you, come see us. Come work with us at Conga. Come join our organization. And if you want any help on anything else, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. So the Sales Prescription Podcast is on LinkedIn. We're on all of the major podcast providers. Please subscribe, rate us, you know, get involved in the rest of this advice and the great things we try to share And also come see us, contact us on LinkedIn. If you need some help, we'll help you. And so we appreciate the fact that you're listening to us and we appreciate everybody for taking the time to be able to sharpen your skills and listen to the sales prescription. Thanks everybody.